Six months into the war in Ukraine, has Canada, have we lived up to our promises? And are we doing enough to help Ukraine defend their country from Russian forces? Joining us uh, to help us answer that question and for an update on where we are in the conflict is Andrew Rasoulis, fellow at the Canadian Global Affairs Institute and an expert in Eastern European affairs. Good morning to you, Andrew. Good morning to you, Andrew or Andy. How either one. We'll just, yeah. <laughs> I'll call you Andrew. You call me Andrew or Andy. I'll take okay. you either way. We're good. Um, it's all Andrew all the time. Uh, let's let's yeah. break this down. We'll get into an update as to where we are, where that front line yeah. is now in yeah. Ukraine. But before we get there, I know that as many countries on the world stage, we, we said we are going to do what we can. So the big question is, are we falling short? Are we delivering what we said we would do to help the people of Ukraine in this battle? Yeah, no, Canada is uh, is doing, uh, I think, a very masterful job of balancing its resources, and everything is resources. Um, so you have all you have all the principles and all the goals stated uh, as you want, but at the end of the day, every government, now we're talking the government of Canada, they have a limited budget, they have a limited tax base, and we are doing certain amounts for Ukraine, which is very substantive. But we have to always remember at this point, even in the military sphere, we have a very important commitment to the eastern flank, specifically to uh, the NATO forces that we are heading up in Latvia. And in that sense, in uh, at the end of June at the NATO summit, Canada, along with other allies, pledged that we would uh, uh, upscale our battalion commitment to Latvia, the, the force there, to a brigade level. That means a threefold increase. And those resources have to come from somewhere. That means we will have more equipment on the ground, more troops on the ground. So as we look at, if I'm sitting in the, the office of the defense minister or the chief of defense staff, and I'm looking, okay, I've only got so many resources to deploy here. Yes, I'm going to put some toward Ukraine and give it to the Ukrainians. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, I have to husband other resources to meet the Canadian deterrent commitment, which is related to the war in Ukraine, because the whole concept of deterrence is to deter a Russian attack on NATO territory, specifically in the Baltics here. So I've got to have to make sure that our defense capability is credible. So I think, having said all that, and given the fact that the only alternative is to take money from health and education, that's the other big budgets in the federal government, Mm -hmm. I don't think that the people of Canada will actually accept that. So I think the government of Canada is balancing itself quite well. Yeah, it sounds like that uh, delicate balance between dollars and action, and like what we're seeing, as you mentioned, in the U.K. as far as training, and I think that's fabulous because that's yep. what we're good at as Canadians. Uh, let's uh, change gears a, a bit and talk about where we are today, basically six months into this conflict. And President Zelensky now is uh, speaking up and saying he wants the war to end with the liberation of Crimea. And it seems like, from what I've been reading over the past few days, that, that the battle seems to be centered more so around that Crimea region. Is that right? Yeah. So uh, let me give you the sketch of the battlefield, but then let me c- come back uh, if we have time, because there's breaking news this morning with, uh, the Turkish president and the U.N. Secretary General both are now arriving in Lviv to meet with Zelensky to discuss uh, potential peace settlements, uh, the U.N. Uh, trying to broker a, an inspectors in the nuclear plant that's under siege right now, uh, as well as the, the grain shipment issue. So I'll come back to that. But let me sketch the battlefield, because that then sets the stage for the political meetings. The battlefield is essentially, think World War One. It is a it is a kind of a strategic stalemate uh, from north to south, from from uh, from uh, um, Kharkiv down to, uh, uh, to the to the Black Sea to the Kurzon uh, area. 
The fighting is occurring in three primary areas. Ukrainians are launching counterattacks in the Kurzon area. This is extremely strategic because this is the land bridge. This is the pivot for the land bridge that Russia has established from Russia proper to Crimea. And forces are fighting going back and forth. As of last night, the Russians counterattacked and Ukrainians beat them back. Uh, the Ukrainians have hit some strategic bridges there. The Russians are having a hard time resupplying. But they have put in pontoon bridges. So that battle continues to rage. Further up north in the Donbass, in the last few uh, weeks, the Russians have taken one section of it, an oblast called Luhansk. They are now fighting to take Donetsk in the south. Very heavy fighting is going on there. The Russians move very carefully west, but not much. But they are moving a little bit, so that has to be noted. And in the north, in Kharkiv, there is shelling going on. Both sides are probing. This is Ukraine's second largest city. And the Russians are trying to recapture it. They, they t- took it early in the war, lost it, and now they're looking at it again. But that's a third order of priority. So the battlefield is stagnant in the strategic way. But as you mentioned in your introduction, Zelensky has been saying that the Ukrainian war aims are the liberation of all Ukrainian territory from Russian forces including Crimea. Okay, that is a major, like a very tall military objective, very difficult one. And so therefore, in the interviews and discussions I've been doing uh, lately, I've been saying, well, this war is going to definitely drag on into the fall because neither side is prepared to compromise on their war aims. The Russians want a buffer zone in Ukraine. They want neutrality. They want a legal agreement on that basis. So neither Ukraine nor Russia up at this point have any political basis to make a compromise. So where are we now, though? Because today, in advance of the visit of um, the Ukrainian, of, 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 of Guterres and, uh, and Erdogan in Lviv, a Ukrainian spokesperson said something I have not seen for some time called, they said, we are in a strategic stalemate. Now, that, in a way, sort of contradicts the Zelensky statement about we're going to liberate Crimea. If we're in a strategic stalemate, how do we do that? I think that was a primer set up for the, the, the meeting today in Lviv to, to open up again a potential dialogue of peace settlement. Now, there's been no serious dialogue in, uh, until uh, since last March in Istanbul when the Turks brokered a meeting. And then things fell apart totally, and both sides dug in into a heavy war of attrition. So that's where we're at, Andy, um, and we'll see where things go. But that, it's it's a we're today's an interesting day, actually. Yeah, well, interesting. How much faith do you hold? Do you think we'll have any anything come out of these meetings in this uh, latest round? It's, it, I mean, it's always it's always possible. I mean, the, the war is causing casualties on both sides. This is difficult for Ukraine. This is difficult for Russia. If both sides could find a a political face-saving device mechanism to have at least a ceasefire, I think a political settlement may be a bridge too far at present. But some kind of an armistice, the way kind of almost like World War One ended without a surrender by Germany, but there was an armistice agreement. Uh, Korea, 1953, similar idea. And we, Korea today still remains technically at North Korea and South Korea are technically at war with the U.N. command supporting South Korea. So but there's an armistice that's been there since 53 because both sides realize fighting is not 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 a good thing. You're not going to win anything. So we may be getting to that sooner rather than late. Well, the fall. The fall is, everyone has said, the battles of the summer, yeah. 
will shape the political situation in the fall. Everybody is saying that. And and, and the, the meeting in Lviv today, we're in the second half of August now. Yeah. Maybe they're, they're doing a primer on that. Could be, yeah, and, and very much so. Crossing our fingers, we'll be uh, having our eyes on it. Thanks for the update and the update surrounding the breaking news as well. Thanks, Andrew. You're very welcome, Andrew. Take care.